Perspective is key. We often think that God's presence is provided to fix our problems. But what if God's presence is provided to fix our perspective? I heard that quote a few years ago from a sermon that I was listening to. And I want to say to us today, as we look through our next few verses in uh, 1 Peter, perspective is key. Last week, Anne kicked off our series, Living Hope, as we journey through 1 Peter this term. And Anne helpfully unpacked for us those, those opening 12 verses in the letter. And I think it's a little bit, we have to view it like a little bit like a lens through which to see the rest of the letter. The first 12 verses are the lens through which we Peter says, this is how your salvation has come about. And so everything from verse 13, what we're going to read today, right to the end of the letter in chapter 5, is to be read through that lens and is then to affect from verse 13 onwards, how then we are to live in response to that. How that salvation, that good news, affects the way that we live. So I'm going to read, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter, uh, chapter 1, beginning to read at verse 13. He starts with the word therefore, which means he's looking back to that lens that he's just referred to. Therefore, look back with that from that place. He says in verse 13, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. The first important thing about perspective that Peter says in these verses is look forward, look ahead. Keep your minds alert on the day when Jesus Christ will return. We've heard a lot this week about staying alert from Boris and the government and we will no doubt continue to do so. 
But Peter wrote these words, stay and left, 2,000 years ago. How apt the timing maybe it is that this week we're looking at these verses. Peter comes on to say again, be alert, right at the end of the letter in chapter 5. But be alert here, Peter says, be alert. And a fully sober mind. That we could translate that literally as saying, gird up the loins of your mind. What an expression that is, gird up the loins of your mind. What does that mean? Well, I think it maybe means something a little bit like this. Fasten it in as a seatbelt. Seatbelt it in, fasten it in, lock it in to your minds and don't lose sight of it. Set your hope on the day when Jesus will return. Anne last week helpfully said that Peter writes about hope not as some sort of wishful thinking. No, you know, Peter writes about hope here in, in the sense of eager expectation. So verse 13, look forward. We could read that saying, lock this into your minds. With eager expectation, Jesus will return. Don't lose sight of that. The future event will surely has got to affect the way that you live in the present. Now that happens all the time. Future events in our lives affect the way we live in the present. Think about it. Holidays, I know we can't go in any, but holidays, parties, weddings, um, uh, new babies, new pets, revision, if you like revision, all of those things are significant moments in the future that have a, an impact on our lives almost certainly for the good, and yet they affect the way that we live in the present. We, we, with the way we spend our time, that we spend our money in preparing for that, the future event of those things affects how we live in the present as we journey towards that moment. And Peter's saying exactly the same here. Allow the future to affect how you live in the present. Because then he goes on to say the next thing about perspective is yes, look forward to verse 13, but verse 14 to 17, he's saying, look up, look up, look up. Look up at who God is and how you are to live in light of who God is. Do not, he says, you are obedient children. He said, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil ways you had when you lived in ignorance. Ignorance, that's such a strong phrase to use. But, one of my favourite words in the Holy New Testament, but, but, it appears several times in not just this chapter, but the whole of the book, but, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. Peter is not saying live to become holy. No, no, remember the lens? You are holy through the salvation of which you've been won back to God in a relationship, through raising Jesus from the dead. You are holy, so be holy. Don't live to try and be holy. You are holy, so live a holy life from that place. And look up at our holy God who says, be holy as I am holy. Our God who is holy and perfect in every single way who cannot be in the presence of sin. And because of the glorious grace of Jesus, we can be in his presence because Jesus has dealt with your sin and my sin on the cross. And so Peter says, allow that then to affect 
the way that you live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. An important point to note in these four verses, 14, 15, 16, 17, is that there's three things that are described of God and of his God's nature and of God's attributes. God as holy, God as father and God as judge. And as we look up at who God is, we've got to keep an eye on all of those things because that is God equally. God is equally holy. God is just as much of a father and God is always a judge. All true of God all the time. He is the most perfect, loving father. He is the most perfect, holy God. And he is the most just judge you will ever, ever come across. Now, I know that some people don't like the thought of God being judge. But here's here's the reality. If we're saying God is holy, a God who cannot be in the presence of sin, God will one day in Jesus when he returns, chapter four, we'll get to it in a few weeks, Jesus Christ will return to judge the living and the dead. So that means what Peter's saying, look up at God. He's holy, he's father and he's judge. God is all of those things. And with that in view, looking forward to the day when Jesus returns, looking up at who God is, holy, father and judge. Look back then at the cross. That's the next thing about perspective. Look back. Verse 18 to 21. Look back at what Jesus has done for you on the cross in his death and in his resurrection. He's reminding them again of the lens. He's almost just like sneaking it right in front of them just again, just so they don't forget it. Just so we don't forget it. Don't forget the lens. Look back, always look back at what God has done. It was through Jesus' death on that cross that has saved you and brought you into a relationship with God. Peter says, verse 18, it's not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you have been redeemed. No, your gold, your silver, your money in your bank account, your fancy cars, your nice kitchen, your nice sofas. None of that. It's all perishable. None of that is going to save you or has saved you. Only one person, all sufficient in Jesus, has saved you. Peter is pointing out. He's at pains to say it. I can... No, I just feel it as he writes it. You're not a follower of Jesus because of the things you own. You're a follower of Jesus because what Jesus has done for you. Never forget that. You've been ransomed. You've been set free. In other words, when he says you've been redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Empty life. That's a strong, again, another strong phrase to describe something. How do I think empty life works itself out as an illustration? I think it's a little bit like this. Who loves celebrations? We all do. Christmas time. All going to fight over the Maltese and the galaxy, aren't we? Well, that's always in my household, at least. Someone says, oh, Danny, do you want some celebrations? Like, yes, come on, bring it on. Pass them here. Get panned it over. Getting so excited. Here comes the celebrations. Oh. It's empty. The promise, the outer promise of the, the, the celebration box. Here comes the chocolate in shiny plastic foil. You open it up and it's empty. That is what life 
is like without Jesus at the heart, without Jesus in your life. It's all appealing. But so often you discover and you realise that it's empty. Peter's saying, you were ransomed, you were redeemed, you were saved from that empty way of life. Not by perishable things of silver and gold, but through the blood of Jesus on the cross, verse 19, who was without blemish or defect. Who was around, verse 20, at the creation of the universe. And verse 21, through him, Jesus, you believe in God and you have a living faith and hope in God. Verse 3, chapter 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth. That's what Peter's saying again here. Shoving the lens right in front of us. Don't lose sight of it. Look back. Look back. Absolute quality news. Look back. Look forward. Look up. Look back. And then finally, verse 22 to the end of our passage in chapter 2, verse 3. Look at what you have. The context, remember, as Anne said last week, they were a minority group of Christians persecuted for their faith in Jesus. And they had, in that context, two things which we have today. And we will have as long as we stay together as God's people. Two things. First one is this. Have, you have one another. They had one another. Verse 22. You have one another. And so love one another deeply from the depths of your heart, from the depths of your being. Love one another in deed, in action, in word, in encouragement, in prayer. Love one another deeply. Look at what you have and others will help you to keep perspective as you support and love one another. Second thing, we have what they have, the living and enduring word of God. I know Peter, when he wrote this, they didn't have the New Testament as we have it today. They had the Old Testament. They had the verbal stories of Jesus. Peter, of course, was an eyewitness to Jesus. But how much more glorious is it that we have the New Testament and the Old Testament? I mean, if they were able to, to get by, and they were more able to just get by, in fact, this early church in modern-day Turkey, how much better place are we with the whole of the living and enduring Word of God in all its totality, in all its completeness? It's living, it's enduring. Life is going to pass away. That's why he then moves on to contrast what life is like. It's going to pass away like the flower and the grass of the field, but, there it is again, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And that is what was preached to you. Verse 25. That is what was preached to you. Look at what you have. You have one another, so love one another deeply. You have God's living and enduring word, so digest it daily. Therefore, Peter says at the start of chapter two, with all of that in mind, looking forward, looking up, looking back, looking at what you have, throw off everything that distracts you. Throw off all those things that verse one um, and uh, verse one. And like newborn babies in verse two of chapter two, crave the thing that is good for you. Babies know what is inherently good for them and so they want more of it. And as followers of Jesus, I, I am hopeful 
certainly hopeful, with eager, expectationly hopeful, that you know what is good for you and what is not. Crave that goodness because, in verse 3, it says, you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Keep on tasting, keep perspective. Keep perspective, perspective is key. Look forward, set your hope firmly with eager expectation on the day when Jesus will return. Look up at who God is as holy father and judge of all and allow that to affect how you live. Look back at all that Jesus has done on that cross in a way he's redeemed you and saved you and paid the price for your freedom with his blood. And look at what you have with one another, loving each other deeply and God's living and enduring worth. Perspective is key. We often think of God's presence as being provided to fix our problems. But what if God's presence is provided to fix our perspective? Look forward, look up, look back and look at what you have. Amen.